Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 7 in Revelation chapter 18. We're going to be reading verses 2 and 3. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are wax rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I'll stop reading there. Now, we've seen how Babylon has become a prison for the unsaved of the world, or here called the unclean, and God speaks of casting into prison in order to exact payment from his adversaries. And this is exactly what God did when he shut the door of heaven on the world on May 21, 2011. He turned the whole world into a prison house in which he would punish the unsaved inhabitants and thereby exact payment for their sin because they had no Savior and and therefore uh, did not have the Lord Jesus Christ making payment for their sin from the foundation of the world, but payment must be made to the utmost farthing. And it appears very much that God has laid out a 10,000-day period in which to collect the the payment for sin, and the wages of sin is death. And so when the Lord shut the door of heaven. He brought the world into the condition of death or hell. Now, it's interesting, in Isaiah 24, which is a chapter we went through verse by verse a while back, and in that chapter, God is describing in verse after verse the uh, judgment on this world. And he says, for instance, um, in verse 17, fear in the pit and the snare are upon thee, O inhabitant of the earth. In verse 19, the earth is utterly broken down. The earth is clean dissolved. The earth is moved exceedingly. Verse 20, the earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard and shall be removed like a cottage. And the transgression thereof shall be heavy upon it and it shall fall and not rise again. And shall come to pass in that day that Jehovah shall punish the host of the high ones that are on high and the kings of the earth upon the earth, and they shall be gathered together as prisoners or gathered in the pit and shall be shut up in the prison, and after many days shall they be visited. And there... Uh, is matching language to 
Revelation 18, that Babylon, the kingdom of Satan, which is the kingdoms of this world, has become a prison for every unclean spirit and a prison for every unclean and hateful bird. And and both um, of those phrases are pointing to unsaved people that are in Satan's kingdom of darkness and the world has become a prison. They have been gathered together as prisoners are gathered in the pit and shall be shut up in the prison. God shut the door of heaven and in so doing, he, of course, um, protected his people that are within and shut out all the rest of mankind that are without. It's what we read in Revelation chapter 22 that this has taken place in verses 14 and 15. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers, and whoremongers, and murderers, and idolaters, and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. And without is everyone that is not saved at this point. And and that's why in a few places God says uh, there is outer darkness outside the city of Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem that consists of everyone that God has saved. In this world, there is outer darkness, and that's where all of the unsaved people are, and God is punishing them without through the darkness, because he is the one that put out the light of the sun and the moon and the stars, making the world a dark place, a, a dark prison house, in, in which the people are being punished as prisoners in the pit, in the condition of hell, as death and hell are synonymous, and God has brought the world into, for all intents and purposes, the condition of death once he shut the door of heaven. Well, now remember we uh, saw the language in both Isaiah chapter 13 and Isaiah chapter 34, dealing with the day of Jehovah's wrath, and then details were given about a desolate land with unclean birds. And, and it, you know, the Bible's an amazing book. People read this kind of thing, and they've read it ever since it was written, and it made the Bible hard to read, uh, difficult, uh, or impossible to understand, why God would um, say, for instance, in Isaiah 13, uh, in verse 11, I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity and so forth. And then he starts talking about the Medes coming against Babylon. How does that connect? Well, it's only now that we understand the spiritual types and figures. Oh, Babylon is Satan's kingdom of this world. Babylon was victorious for 70 years during the Great Tribulation. Immediately following the 70 years, historically, the Medes and the Persians conquered Babylon. 
Likewise, immediately following the tribulation, Christ conquers the kingdom of Satan. He takes the kingdom and, and so forth. And, and not only is Isaiah 13 difficult due to its switching back and forth from discussing Babylon to the end of the world and the final judgment of mankind, but also in its conclusion, as it says of Babylon in verses 19 and following, in Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldees' excellency, shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. It shall never be inhabited, neither shall it be dwelled in from generation to generation, neither shall the Arabian pitch tent there, neither shall the shepherds make their fold there. But wild beasts of the desert shall be there, and their houses shall be full of doleful creatures. An owl shall dwell there, and satyr shall dance there, and the wild beasts of the islands shall cry in their desolate houses, and dragons in their pleasant places, and her time is near to come, and her days shall not be prolonged. So, making it even more difficult, suddenly God speaks of a desolate Babylon that is inhabited by dragons and owls and doleful creatures. And it's only when we recognize at this point Babylon is a picture of the world and has become a prison house for every unclean spirit and every unclean hateful bird. And unclean spirits point to unclean men and unclean hateful birds Uh, As God speaks of unclean animals in Leviticus chapter 11, and the Apostle Peter was shown that vision of the sheet of unclean animals, including unclean birds, and, and told to rise and eat. And then God explained to him, or Peter understood, that he was not to call any man unclean. And, and it had to do with the Gentiles or the people of the world. So Babylon has now become a prison for every inhabitant of the world, in the sense that they have not been translated out of Satan's kingdom through salvation into the kingdom of God's dear Son. They are all in prison. And uh, just to confirm this even more, if we go to Jeremiah 50, it says... In verse 35, uh, this tells us who God is talking about. A sword is upon the Chaldeans, saith Jehovah, and upon the inhabitants of Babylon. And then in verse 38 and following, a drought is upon her waters, and they shall be dried up. For it is the land of graven images, and they are mad upon their idols. Therefore the wild beasts of the desert with the wild beasts of the island shall dwell there, and the owls shall dwell therein, and it shall be no more inhabited forever, neither shall it be dwelt in from generation to generation. As God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and the neighbor cities thereof, saith Jehovah, so shall no man abide there, neither shall any son of man dwell therein. And again, When God speaks of making a land desolate without an inhabitant, the inhabitant that he has in mind is Christ. And, and, and that's why, um, 
Jeremiah 50 verse 40 says, So shall no man abide there, neither shall any son of man dwell therein. Because Jesus, of course, had that name, the Son of Man. Again and again, as we read the Gospel accounts, the Son of Man must go to the cross, and and so on. And when God has ended his salvation program, he's no longer evangelizing the earth, and he's no longer saving people. It is as though the Son of Man has departed from Babylon, the kingdoms of this world, and made the kingdoms of this world a desolate land where no man, and we can read Christ there, neither the Son of Man, Christ, dwells therein. We we still have a world populated with people, and so it's not desolate in that sense, but it is desolate in the one important sense which means God has left the world. He's abandoned the world regarding salvation. He will not return to save anyone ever again. And and this is why Babylon has become a prison. Let's just take a quick look at that statement again in Matthew 5 regarding prison and how God speaks of um, sin being paid for there. He says in verse 25 and 26, Agree with thine adversary quickly, whilst thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary, and that's God, man's adversary, deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Verily I say unto thee, Thou shalt by no means come out thence, till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. Payment for sin must be completed. And if a man is able, then he can make payment, just as Jesus did from the foundation of the world. Christ made payment in full for the sins of all of his elect people. That great multitude, perhaps numbering as many as 200 million. Jesus died for every one of them, and the law of God was satisfied because he was a perfect offering, sinless in himself, and also eternal God, and and so qualified to pay for the sins of all those that he died for. But everyone else, all the rest of mankind, he did not die for, their sins remain upon them, themselves, they must make the payment for sin, and the payment is death. In God's official day of judgment, the payment is carried out over the course of the prolonged period of time upon the world officially, and then finally each individual will be uh, killed and annihilated and utterly destroyed. Now, Christ was slain by God at the point of the world's foundation, yet being God, he was able to come through death and rise from the dead and live again to justify all those uh, whose penalty he paid 
and and all their sin is gone and removed, paid for. And and God does not have double jeopardy. He does not charge anyone a second time, or Christ doesn't have to die a second time for that sin. Is and, and so he was making no payment for sin in 33 A.D. And the individuals Christ died for do not have to pay for their sin because it's already paid for by him, so they are free. They will live forevermore. They have been given eternal life, and no sin that they commit can ever take that away, because whatever sin they would commit in their lifetime has already been paid for. And yet for the rest, the billions of people that were not chosen, predestinated unto salvation, whose sins were not laid upon him, and and so their sins are on themselves, and God is punishing them. And if somehow they manage to die and then come back to life as Christ did, they will live also forever. They can say, well, I paid for my sin, I died, and and now I'll enter into heaven. But of course, there's a huge, insurmountable problem with that, and that is that they are men. They are creatures and not the Creator. They are finite and not infinite in their being. They are weak and and not able. They do not possess the power to overcome death. As God says in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, in um, verse 8, There is no man that has power over the Spirit to retain the Spirit, neither hath he power in the day of death. And there is no discharge in that war, neither shall wickedness deliver those that are given to it. So, the Bible declares, and this is true, and we know it, that man, in his uh, weakness of being just a little tiny creature, that that when the full force of the wrath of God comes down upon him, and when God's law um, declares that he must die to pay for his sins, and then he does die, well, he has no more power in, in the day of his death. He cannot retain his spirit. He cannot rise from this dead condition. He is dead, and he is no more, nor will he ever be again. And this is why it is a final judgment, a final destruction, an annihilation of the sinner, because he lacks the power that Christ possessed to overcome death. And and uh, that that's one of the wonderful, glorious things about the resurrection and and why Easter is is really such a beautiful incredibly wonderful time to recognize the great power of God that that he had the strength to overcome death and and to be victorious over death which is not a little thing to die and and then to come back to life and to rise again 
Well, that that is um, a testimony to the infinite nature of God's power, and and we can only uh, thank God and and glorify Him and praise Him that He was able to do that. Can you imagine if uh, if um, He did not have that power to overcome death? Then we would have no Savior. We would still be in our sins, and we would have to die for our sins ourselves. But He does have that power, and. And that's another reason why the child of God insists, because the Bible insists that our Savior is Jehovah, that Christ is eternal God, because who else could possess that power to die for the sins of so many and make complete payment and conquer death to, to, uh, be triumphant over death itself. Men certainly don't have that kind of power. Uh, Prophets don't have that kind of power. Angels, angelic beings, do not have that kind of power. Only eternal God possesses that power to overcome death. Well, we'll stop here, and Lord willing, in our next study, we'll continue by picking up again in Revelation 18, and we'll go on to verse 3. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.